and welcome to We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening. And joining me tonight is a gentleman that's um, known for his... He's known for YouTube. He's known for his very relaxed attitude. He's known for his playthroughs. Um, he's known for his uh, his wife, uh, Jen. It is the one, the only, the mis- the rather wonderful... Mr. Richard Ham, also, as everybody knows, I'm Rado. So, um, good evening, sir. How are you Hello. this evening? I am A-OK, other than the fact it's around 90 degrees Fahrenheit here in Malta. I don't know what that is in Celsius. Apologies. You'd think I'd know that after <laughs> living in Europe for 10 years now. But I still, every time I have to think about it, I have to do the uh, double and add 32 math in my head. <laughs> I don't know, was it six? It can't be 65. Is that 65? Is that less? I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise, this would be the weather podcast. We, we, we need a meteorologist. Where's a meteorologist when you kind of need one? It's just ridiculous. But, um, first of all, thank you for coming on. Um, this was a case of me doing my normal, which is seeing somebody I'd like to speak to and going, hello, would you like to come on the podcast? And you said, yeah, send me a message. And then it kind of came from that. So I really appreciate you taking the time out, sitting inside in 90 degree heat with a glass of water, speaking to a Scottish guy who can only dream of getting into the high 60s, let's be kind of perfectly, (laughs) perfectly kind of honest. Um, First of all, for everybody that's joining us for the first time this evening, um, hello, thank you for joining us. the reason that we do this is quite simply because we believe there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. We've had a good check. We're now checking through YouTube and seeing if there's any kind of podcasts on there either. Still haven't found any. <laughs> and the other reason that we do this is um I wanted to speak to Rado. I mean, <laughs> let's be perfectly honest. Um, You know, so I asked him and he said yes. So um, we kind of were having him on this evening. Um. I'm sure that you've done this millions of times. I'm sure that you've spoken um about your history with the kind of the the genre and the hobby itself. But um can I jump back a little bit further than that because I obviously I do my did my research. Yeah. I went oh. <laughs> I went on LinkedIn and <laughs> And I thought, let's have a... Because I said, right, if I'm going to speak to somebody who's well-known in the industry, I, might, I have to go and actually have a look rather than just say, um, let's, do not eat, let's not do any research and just kind of play dumb. But you worked... Or you were involved in um, Fable 2, which was yep. a really kind of... One of my favourite games uh, at the time. What was it you... What, I mean, before you did that, what, what did you do? What was your involvement in that game? In Fable 2 specifically, yeah. I was the co-lead designer. I think my official title was design manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked very closely, hand-in-hand, hand, predominantly with Dean Carter, who was one of the original co-creators of the Fable franchise, the Carter brothers, mm-hmm. Dean and Simon. Yeah. Founded Big Blue Box, and you know they were kind of taken under Peter Molyneux's wing under the, you know, the Aegis of Lionhead to get the Fable 1 out. And... I had already been in the video game industry for, gosh, 12, 13 years by that point. And it's interesting, I came to Lionhead, not to work on Fable, even though I had been a big fan of the first Fable. Yeah. I came to work on the console version of the movies. Oh, okay. Which, 
Yeah, because Activision thought, yeah, this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be our version of The Sims. And I had been the lead designer on the console translation of The Sims back when I was in Texas. So oh, they right. hired me for that. Uh-huh. And um, and that was a lot of fun. I was having a great time. I got to work a little bit on the, the PC version of the movies. I kind of helped out with the movie editor and just a few little things here and there while we were doing preliminary pre-production work for the console game. And then, very, very sadly, and much to everybody's surprise, the movies on PC just did not take off. Everybody mm. thought it was going to be a monster hit. And it was certainly well-reviewed. It was hugely loved. I mean, there was a big, big fan base making tons of movies with it. But the game just kind of fizzled. And as a result, the console version got shelved, which mm. was heartbreaking. I was so keen on what we were doing there. Mm. But at this point, you know, I'm... I'm um, living in the UK. I'm working at Lionhead. And so, you know, those of us on that team had to make the shift. And I ended up uh, taking a lead design position on Fable 2, which had just... I think they had been working on some uh, um, preliminary stuff for just a few months when I came in. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And the rest is history. I, what was I responsible for? Uh, well, one, I was responsible for managing the entire design team, which was the biggest team I had ever, uh, taken on. I think we had five full-time level designers. We probably had 10 or 15 scripters, which are basically like designers slash programmers, and our level designers are like designers slash artists. And yeah. so I, I was, I had a lot of managerial responsibilities, and a big part of my focus was um, trying to help Dean run interference um, between <laughs> Peter Molyneux and the team as a whole. Because Peter, I will say to my dying breath, is a warm, wonderful person. Uh, I, I know he gets a lot of flack, and you know there's yeah. a there's a lot of bad blood out there for him. But uh, you know, and and I'll be honest, I mean, the man drove me absolutely insane. But uh, you know, he, he's he, 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 sometimes he's just a kid in a candy store, and, and you just yeah. can't help himself. But he's also a brilliant, instinctive designer. And while I think he's very much out of touch with modern design philosophy and requirement because he came up working on Populous and the original Black and White at a time when yeah. it was just a small group of people, you know, I mean, you know, just a few coders, you know, everybody did everything. And he always kind of brought that attitude to modern AAA console development where you've got a team of 200 people and it's like, you know, it's steering a, an ocean liner. It's it's not, you know, tr- trying to, you know, uh, steer a dinghy or something like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's a big enterprise, and you can't just shift on a dime. Yeah. Um, so a big part of my job was looking for what his instinct led him to. Like, um, you know, Peter was the reason the dog was in the game. When, you know, we had already <laughs> been working on the game, he was finishing up you know, uh, movies. He was finishing up Black and White 2. He yeah. was only tangentially aware of what we were doing with Fable 2. And then eventually when those were done and, you know, the eye of Sauron descended on us, <laughs> you know, he showed up. And, and I, I, I mean that in a loving way. Um, but, you know, it, it feels that way. It was like, you know, okay, well, we're off in the shadows. Nobody knows what's going on. We can do what we want. Oh, Peter is, uh, Peter's in the building now. And the first thing he said is, we're going to have a dog in this game. Did he just walk past and do that and just like, did he go like, we're gonna have a dog? Yep, yep, <laughs> and just yep. Kept, kept on going like that. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I can just imagine. And the thing is, I mean, there was a, a minor riot among the team. The team wanted none of that. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, this, this isn't, you know, uh, this isn't our vision for the game. Um, you know, no. because certainly there was nothing quite like that in the original Fable. And, um, well, you know, if we have to, if we have to have a pet, let's at least make it a dragon. Or, yeah. you know, something cool. A dog? There's nothing cool about that. But, you have to give Peter full credit for understanding what was so powerful and universal. And I'll be honest, both Dean and I got it immediately. Um, you know, uh, Peter said that, he talked to us about it, and we, and we were immediately on board. Yes, you're right. This is definitely what we have to do. Um, <laughs> but then the problem was, all right, okay, we've got this vision from on high. We think it's yeah. brilliant. Uh, yeah. We got to convince the team it's going to work, um, you know, because they're going to go kicking and screaming into it. And now that you know we're on board and we know what Peter wants out of it, we just have to keep him at arm's length so we can actually do the thing. Um, <laughs> which again is, it, is a full-time job. Was he like um I mean one of the things you used to hear about George Lucas or you always see in the kind of the creation how you know the kind of the creation videos of any Star Wars is mm-hmm. it's like everybody presents kind of like what they want Jabba to look like and then George kind of went round and went I like him. And then everybody, <laughs> you know, everybody went, all right, he's famous designer now. I mean, was it the kind of the opposite that you'd have him running in with like 50 million ideas and you had to kind of like say, no, we don't, we can't have a camel, we can do this, but we can't do that. Was he kind of like, because he struck me was kind of, it was a mind that was aflame with ideas and 50 of them, you would just go, you're gonna to have to sit down, but then he come out with one, and you go, oh, actually, this is this is really really good. No, was I wouldn't it... say that was the case with him. The reality yeah. is, he came in with a small list of demands um, <laughs> because he's very. I, I I don't think it's fair to say he's very market focused. Although that's the yeah. end result, he's uh-huh. very um, player experience focused. He's very very cognizant of. Um, you know, trying to do something that's new and different and that will be immediately compelling and compulsive. And he's also uh-huh. a brilliant salesman. He's driven by what he knows he can get people excited about as much as anything else. So, you know, like, w- after he came on board, one of his pillars was one-button combat. And, you know, he spent the better part of two years talking that up to the press. And yes. he played Fable 2. It's kind of bs we don't really have one button combat um (laughs) even remotely Uh, but um you know he was still very very keen on it and in fact i mean in some ways he was kind of ahead of the curve uh because you you look at what batman arkham asylum and um and following that assassin's creed uh you know because because he pushed this idea before those completely re you know retrained the entire industry into what third-person melee combat should be. Uh, you know, he knew there was something to that of, look, I just want to push a button really fast and see my <laughs> character do amazing stuff on screen, yeah, yeah. and I want to feel like a hero for it. Is that too much to ask? Um, and, you know, of course, that is now the driving um, consideration. Of course, you know, you know, there's still skill and whatnot involved, but these days more and more, game design is about empowering players and making sure no matter what, no matter where they go, what they do, it's always going to be amazing. I mean, you're my age. We came up, um, you know, on the original Nintendo on you know, when... 
you know, what happened on screen was amazing because we had amazing skills with our thumbs. Absolutely. Now, what happens on screen can be amazing just because you push up on the analog stick and, um, you know, hold down the interact with the world button. And, oh, my God, look how incredibly cool this is. <laughs> exactly. You know? And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to decry that. I don't want to be the old man on the porch saying, in my day, you did real skill. But, you know, <laughs> that was a big thing that Peter wanted. And he knew why he wanted it, because it was an idea that yeah. he knew would catch on. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted the dog because, you know, I mean, it's it's not like anybody else. I mean, there, uh, there were like some Diablo clones that had had dogs or pet cats. But, um, you know, there wasn't really anything that had been pushed to the level that we ultimately pushed it, where it was, you know, there less is a element to um you know use as another gameplay design tool that you have as a player it was there to form a strong emotional attachment he knew a uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't finished fable 2 but it's been a few years now um it, i didn't say the whole thing he came in mm. and said right players are going to have a dog and that dog is going to die after we make <laughs> players fall in love with oh it goodness. that is what is going to happen in this game and as soon as he said like oh my god you're right we can totally do that. That will be amazing. And so I was on board. He had a few things like that. Uh, another one I can remember that actually I thought was really, really interesting. And it, and it, it actually kind of is gives a little bit of insight into what it's like working with Peter. He had this notion that in the world of Fable, um, if, if you're going to be a hero... Why not make it like he was kind of uh, enamored with the the Marvel Comics notion of secret identities for the hero? The, yeah, yeah you're, you're you're amazing. You you save the world by night, but then you just go to your office job during the day. You know, Peter Parker is a mild mannered photographer, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. And so you may have noticed that the jobs you can do in Fable Two are really mundane. Yeah, they're dumb. I mean, yeah, they are, <laughs> and that was on purpose um you know i mean it was a it was a continuation of fable one you you had ways that you could you know make money and all that uh yeah. you, you had little pub games and whatnot and when we started to work on those we were going to upgrade we're going to do this amazing thing you're going to be able to be a bartender running the bar and it's going to be this incredible game that uses all of our 3d like light parkour elements that you're you know jumping over the bar and serving stuff and trying not to spill the drinks it's going to be this amazing game it's going to be so much fun he's like yeah we could do that or yeah. what if we just do a whack-a-mole, push-a-button, untiming kind of thing? You know, <laughs> and we're like, okay. Uh, and that's when he started. At the time, he was really into World of Warcraft. And he was amazed how compelling he personally found crafting in that game to be. Um, you know, because it is. It's dreary work. Just go out, uh, mm -hmm. click on um, a rock to collect resources. Once you've done enough of that, go back to town and click on a forge to, and, you know, and do that for him. He was surprised he would do that for hours. He thought, okay, I want to explore this. And um, I, I want to see how far we can take that kind of mundanity and tie it into this notion of what it's like to be a hero. And I have to admit, he, he sold me on it. I was very, very interested because that was a wild, far-out idea. That was flying in the face of pretty much what standard design dictates, that you're always the hero, that you're always doing amazing things. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm on board. And so our entire economy for the game um, was predicated on this, that uh, if you were going to um, be a good hero, because it's an interesting thing. We knew most players wanted to be good. We had this data from Fable 1, um, mm -hmm. and most games that have good and bad tracks, they always make everything equal. 
equally balanced. And, you know, it's uh, same end result. Where I mean, you know, whether you're good or evil, you'll still get just as much good stuff. You'll still always be powerful and um, and all of that. We decided, and this was kind of, and this was really more me and Dean, but working with, you know, kind of piggybacking off of this kind of, hey, um, you know, secret identity thing that Peter was really keen on, was that, well, you know what? The rewards for being good, being good should be a reward in and of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, because Peter Parker never gets ahead by being the good guy. Um, uh, you know, it was, was, the, was the kind of go-to example. So we figured if you just went the good path and you got your halo and always did the right thing, you'd be dirt poor. Um, and we knew we were going to have some, you know, connectivity elements and you'd be able to see the way other players are going to evolve. And yeah. you know what? If you went evil, oh, the riches would pour in and you'd have all the best stuff. And, you know, so you could be, um, you know, a, a really rich, corrupt um, you know, get everything you want out of life if you're willing to bend the rules. Or you could be like Cain, wandering the earth, you know, from the uh, 70s show, Kung Fu. Oh, Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was our go-to. You can be Cain, wandering the earth, penniless, but pure. Yeah. And so everything was built around that. Yeah, you know what? If you need some money and you want to be good, go get a day job. Go chop wood. <laughs> go serve bar. And you know what? It's going to be as mundane as your real-life job. Um, you know, and, and, and these were all really cool ideas. So I was on board. We were, I mean, you know, we had the, um, pub games where you could gamble. And so if you made some money and gambled, uh, uh, everything was tweaked for that. Uh, you know, the amount of money you make and late, 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 late into development. Peter's actually playing, you know, we're, we're in beta. We're a few months out from shipping. Peter's yeah. really playing it like a player for the first time. And he's saying, Hey, how come every time I open a treasure chest, I only get like three or four gold? Um, and all I find is rusty daggers everywhere. Um, yeah. I, this isn't good. I don't feel like a hero. It's like, yeah, Peter, this is the whole thing we've been working on for two years. <laughs> you need to go evil if you want to get all the cool stuff. You keep being uh, good. And we're doing that. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I don't like this. Um, <laughs> quadruple the amount of treasure in every tre treasure chest in the game. Just uh, like dude. that. Yeah. Um, it was like, ah! This destroys everything. And so there's this really weird element. If you go and play the pub games now, the payout for them is terrible. It's yeah. awful. It's a waste of time because we, um, you know, this, this universal change was, was a flip of a switch because, you know, all the chests had like kind of, um, you know, were, were um, um, you know, like automatically generated to a certain extent yeah. through our editor like tools. So, things like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So we could flip a switch and just instantly change how all they worked. But the pub games were done externally by another developer, and I contacted them. I called them on the phone and said, "Dudes, you got to change all your balancing. Peter's just changed everything. He doesn't understand what's going to happen because he just doesn't see that." And, and like, we can't. Oh, We've already dear. submitted. We've gone gold. Um, because oh you remember goodness. how the pub games shipped yeah. like yeah. You know, a few yeah. months before us. We can't change it now. And like, oh. So, that's uh, that's why you get really weird schizophrenic stuff, and the economy is to totally borked, um, totally insane. I mean, it, it, there were so many knock-ons because of that, because we knew most players were never going to be very rich, and they weren't going to have a lot in the way of potions or items, no. stuff like that. We knew that's the way it was going to be, because you may have noticed our interface was not the best. Um, it's not a good idea to have just one programmer working on interface for the majority. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know he was great, right, but you okay. know, I mean, he was pushed to the limit, and so our interface wasn't that great. But we knew it's okay 
Because yeah. players are going to be dirt poor. They're not going to use the interface that much. But then in the 11th hour, oh no, suddenly players are rich. If they rent a house, they're making money like crazy. Um, and so oh now players can buy a billion potions and it's a royal pain in the butt to actually drink all these things. You know, so there were like all these weird knock-ons. And so... And it was all just from this one little thing that happened. So that's kind of an example. And, you know, I mean, if you want the whole thing to be about Peter, I could give you plenty more. But that's just like a, a... It's, you know, it's, it's, it's your, it's your night. I think what, well, I think what we're doing is we're sharing here and we're getting a lot out. And I think there's a bit, of, I think there's a bit of cleansing going on. I mean, when you, <clears throat> I mean, moving on a little bit from... Okay. I mean, do you miss those days, though? I mean, do you miss oh. the kind of having... Do you, Would you prefer to have, like, a design document and know this is going to happen rather than have the kind of the the happy jester kind of running in and not meaning to... No, I that's, that's not the nicest thing to say, but having Peter kind of running in and saying, right, everything is now blue, go! And then he walks... <laughs> and then he well, walks off. No, I mean, Peter, he broke me. Um, right. I you know, I've, I've worked with him directly as close as anybody ever has in, yeah. you know, in anybody's professional career. I mean, I, I went out to dinner with him. I was a guest at his wedding. I mean, I've, I've worked really, really close as did Dean. And after, I mean, as, as, as much as he drove me nuts, I, yeah. I had kind of the easy job because my design responsibilities were the simulation. That's why I have all these stories about the simulation and the balance and the economy and all that. I was really focused on a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. focused on the dog. I was focused on the side quests, all the, the weird little esoteric side adventures you can do. Dean's main job was the main storyline that drove you through, you know, the tale of revenge and, um, yeah, and yeah. all that. And so, you know, Man, uh, as much as he broke me, he really broke Dean too, because Dean was in that meeting room with him for hours every day. Whereas I just, well, anyway, um, at the end of all that, for the first time in my life, I had high blood pressure. I was, um, you know, my health was starting to suffer and I realized yeah. I, I just can't do this anymore. And so, um, you know, Fable 2 was a monster hit, won the BAFTA. But, yeah. um, you know, that year, but yeah, I, I didn't get any Fable 2 royalties because I had to get out. I, um, I, you know, so I had nothing to do with Fable 3. Um, you know, it's interesting. Fable 3 is, uh, I think an example of what happens with Peter's raw, unbridled ambition and amazing ideas without any kind of, um, filter. Without, without, without anyone to say, right, okay, Peter, we can't do that, but I understand what it is you want. Here's yeah. what I think we can do. Now, I have yeah. no inside knowledge. I wasn't there, but, um, you know, Fable 3 has some very big ideas and I don't think they pay off as well as their ambition should lend them to be. Uh, um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a reflection of Peter with, with no shackles other than just the hard, cold restraint of time. And, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, like I said, that's, it's well behind me. After Fable 2, I went on to Splash Damage, worked on Brink, and then after that, I said, okay, I'm done. No more video games. By that point, I had been doing it for 20 years. And, I mean, if you know anything about the video game industry, you know, at, at that level, it's 60 to 80 hour weeks for it's years crunch time and stuff time. like that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like you know, it's um, you don't see. Well, there's you know, let's. <clears throat> there was that always that famous um, email from the EA widow 
that was mm-hmm. all about crunch time and, and people sleeping under the desk and stuff like that. Do you um do you keep up with Dean? Do you still speak to Dean from time to time? <sighs> no, ever... no, no, no. Um, I don't know. I'm not really a look backwards kind of guy for the most yeah. part. Uh, I mean, I, I love Dean. I would love to go to lunch with him sometime. He ultimately, uh, I think he made it through Fable Three, and that broke him. And mm. I'm, I'm a, uh, and he's actually living out in the states now, and he's doing mm. little independent, independent, awesome, beautiful, gorgeous development, and taking yeah. his time and j- doing it, going old school, doing everything himself, all the art, all the programming, all the music, all the design, and I think he's in a happier place now as a yeah. result. The, Just you know, yeah, he's pottering. charting his own way, pottering um, about, yeah. kind of like a. A guy in a greenhouse or something like that, looking after his individual plants and not having to worry about the massive garden center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's to, good. Yeah, <clears throat> they used. To, yeah, well, you know the that's the best analogy I can come up with within uh, two seconds notice. Um, so you got out the games industry. Now yeah. at that time, were you just thinking about something to do? Did you? I mean, did, had you already been playing the kind of the board games type stuff or? Where were you with your, where were you with your cardboard at that time? Um, it, there was, it was, actually it was cardboard that did play a big role in me getting out of mm. pixels, switching from pixels to cardboard. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm only a recent board game devotee. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've told the story a lot of times. People can hear it on my podcast, but yeah. you know, pandemic was our gateway game and <clears> we only here. discovered it in 2009. And, but prior to that, I honestly didn't know that modern designer board games existed. I didn't, hadn't even heard of Settlers of Catan. I thought, oh, yo, board games? Uh, well, that's either, <laughs> you know, Toys R Us, Monopoly Fair, or it's Magic yeah. the Gathering, or it's Games Workshop. I figured that was it. Oh, and Dungeons and Dragons. I thought that was the full extent of it. I had no idea anything existed. Through a quirk of fate, I happened to discover Pandemic. My wife and I fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I had that very standard geek transformation over the subsequent 12 <laughs> months where I went from owning one game to owning 150 games in the space of a year or what, you know, ridiculous That's um, metamorphosis that so many of us go through. And, um, yeah. And the thing is with every day that I was, I was like a beautiful butterfly coming, you know, I, you know out of my years of, uh, you know, being a video game caterpillar, mm. I found it harder and harder and harder to muster enthusiasm for yeah. um, continuing to work on digital because, well, I mean, my wife and I, for years, we have always looked for video games that we could share. Um, you know, like, oh, um, oh, uh, uh, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head because I just don't think about video games anymore, well, but we were always I mean, no, there's always been like the Joe Quest ones, there's always been like Poyo Poyo, they always seem to come down to a couple of things. You've got like puzzle games or you've got things like Bust a Move, which was... Mm-hmm. I used to play. They always seem to be very, very simple puzzle games. I, unless it was like driving games or you're racing. Mario Kart. I mean, yeah. Mario well, Kart is still. We did. Um, we did several years of MMOs. Uh, hmm. You know, EverQuest, followed by Asheron's Call, followed by Dark Age of Camelot, followed hmm. by. Uh, I think Anarchy Online for a little while, and then World of Warcraft before we eventually got out. I mean, so we were always looking for those. But as we started playing these old style pieces of cardboard and wood things sitting at the table together, it was so much more compulsive and compelling than the best experiences we'd ever had. Because we weren't sitting on a couch, both of us looking at a screen, we were sitting opposite each other at a table looking at each other. 
And, yeah. um, and it just, it got harder and harder, like I said, to continue to muster the same enthusiasm and uh, to, to make games or even to play video games. And, um, Brink came out. I was incredibly proud of that. I, I still think it's the best game I've ever worked on. And we were following that up with a game that was basically set in the Marvel universe, the Marvel comic book universe. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of following up some of the ideas we'd done in Brink. I was incredibly excited for it. I'm a lifelong Marvel fanboy, make mine Marvel, all the way back to when <laughs> I was a kid. And I was so excited because this was actually going to be canon. We were basically going to be telling the, the story of the third secret war in the Marvel's universe. Uh, oh, we right. actually had Greg Pack as our writer. I actually made many trips out to New York and got to hang out at Marvel Comics offices just talking oh, comics. Wow. I knew years before the rest of the world knew that, you know, um, Nick Fury was, was going to go black to match Samuel Jackson. I mean, I was just, I, I was having the time of my life. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, but it was weird. I, I was enjoying all this, and it was interesting. As all this was going on, and we were working on Marvel Secret Wars, I was bringing more and more lessons from all these board games I was experiencing into this video game design that I was working on. And so I was finding a way to make it all tie together. But then yeah. there was a change in upper management at Disney, and just like that, overnight we were canceled. Um, and it was heartbreaking. And uh, that's it. I, I'm done. I'm done. Honey, I'm done. I came home. I, I yeah. can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah, uh, that 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 was the end. And so we started talking about, well, okay, I I, I have to make an exit. I have to do something else. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I, I told them it's Flash, and we worked out an exit strategy for me. And I didn't leave until they got something else lined up. I helped them line up that um, ultimately the multiplayer for the uh, Batman Arkham game that they did, and got all that going. And yeah. um, and then I retired. I quit. Uh, because uh, one of the best things you can do in life is work for the video game industry for 20 years and make a, a string of hugely successful video games. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out you can make a lot of money doing that. And if you have an incredibly smart, savvy, um, thrifty wife who invests <laughs> very well instead yeah. of just frittering it all away like most of my coworkers would always do whenever they uh, made enough money, oh, we got to buy a fancy sports car or what have you. Or yeah. John Carmack deciding to become an astronaut or whatever. Um, <laughs> we just squirreled it all away and we decided, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm in my mid-40s now. I can retire. And then what am I going to do? And so I'm sitting <laughs> around at home and somebody on Board Game Geek uh, is asking Joel Eddy of uh, Drive Through Review, hey, Joel, yeah. could you do a video for Helvetia? Because nobody's done a video for it. And Joel said, well, if I had a copy, I could, but I don't. And I said, I've got a copy. I'll make one. And so I just got out my iPhone 4 and filmed a run-through and posted it. Um, and people liked it. So I did another one and another one and another one. And it very quickly became a, 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 you know, a kind of retiree pastime. Because, you know, I'll be honest, Jen had always been worried about, yeah, if you retire so early, you're going to drive me insane. For the, major- <laughs> for, the, for the vast majority of our married life, you have been an MIA guy. I mean, my record yeah. is not leaving the office for four days straight. Sleeping on the floor and just not making a home because yeah, Jen was a video game widow for so many yeah. years. And so she thought, if, if I'm just sitting at home with nothing to do and putting around and getting underfoot, it'll drive her nuts. So yeah. I started filming run-throughs and they proved to be very popular. And as a result of that, here we are talking now. But your, your style is kind of, I mean, there's the YouTube 
culture. Like, I mean, there's the video game YouTube culture and the kind of the reaction videos and, you know, hey, what's up here? We're going to be talking about Five Nights at Freddy's 18 tonight kind of thing and, and people just that kind of thing. But then watching a video with you, <clears throat> and I'm going to press probably the anti-gush button very soon, <laughs> it's, a ver- it's a very relaxed affair. And it's kind of, there's not like a massive amount of horrific production that you're tempted to do as things go. (laughs) It's kind of gentle. It is almost like, do you know what, what we're doing tonight? Well, we're going to go down, let's go around Rado's house. Let's see what he's playing. He's just going to take us through the rules. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, was that the aim? Did you just, did you, is it just evolved naturally? Like, you know. Well, no, I mean, like I, kind of? when I sat down and I did a video, I had to think of, you know, how am I going to do this? And I could have mm. just done the Scott Nicholson formula that mm. Tom Vassell has, you know, now turned into an industry, and it's pretty much what everybody does. Yeah. Talking head intro, brief summation of the rules while showing game components, uh, you know, closing thoughts. You know, I, I could have done that, but... I have to admit, I mean, I like Tom, and I think he's a very valuable asset in the industry, but Mm. those videos never do it for me. They never actually give me that sense of what the game is to play. And again, I come from the video game industry, and at that time, this was a few years ago, the video game Let's Play movement was just starting out. It was just starting to explode. PewDiePie didn't exist at the time, or maybe he did, but nobody had heard of him yet. And I was, okay, well, there's these really cool things that are happening with video games. Why isn't anybody doing this for board games? Okay, I'll just do that. How how hard could that be? Um, You know, (laughs) working in the video game industry for 20 years as a lead designer had trained me very well to be able to think fast on my feet and talk and talk and talk and make sure I'm the last guy talking in the room because that's how you win. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's how you see your vision forward by convincing everybody that you know what you're doing and they're, they're, they're following the right horse. So, uh, um, I, that's how I decided to do it. At the time, like I said, um, I think Rodney Smith had been going for a few months before me, or maybe a half a year, and I just hadn't seen yeah. him. And if I had, heck, maybe I would thought, oh, that's the other guy's doing it. Okay, I'm not going to do it then. Um, but I just hadn't seen that, and so I, I just did what I knew. And I also did what I thought I personally would want to see. I yeah. think, you know, the fact, there, there's two things about the way I film, you know, which is to say, you know, uncut, total stream of consciousness, um, yeah. you know, raw, unedited, you know, totally gonzo. You know, I, 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 there's, two, there's two elements to that. One is, it means I don't have to spend hour upon hour upon hour editing stuff together. Now, at the yeah. time, that was because, in all honesty, the computer I owned was a little Samsung NC10 netbook, <laughs> which fundamentally was not capable of editing video from my iPhone. I actually tried editing with my iPhone. It had, with the iMovie on the iPhone, it was awful. My net, yeah. I, so I knew, okay, I just can't edit this stuff. At the time, I didn't know YouTube had a built-in editor. Um, but I also knew I didn't want to. I knew, I know how much work it is to edit. I've worked with really incredibly talented editors, um, yeah. in the video game industry. But, also, let's play videos aren't edited. There's an immediacy. There's a connection between the audience and the presenter when you know that anything could happen at any time. Nothing's scripted. Nothing's prepared. I, when I sit down and I'm filming a run-through, I'm experiencing yeah. that game for the first time the same as you. And um, I think, like I said, that, that creates a, you know, an excitement, an energy, a momentum 
that would be lost if I edited everything incredibly carefully. Because, you know, there are other guys doing run-throughs who do much more professional presentation than I would ever do. And, um, you know, and a lot of people love them. But I do think one of the keys to my success is, you know, the fact that I can think on my feet and I can talk as, I mean, I, I have to remind myself to stop talking. Um, you know, and, and to be polite and let you ask some questions because I'll just go for another 20 minutes and just, as a, uh, you know, I have, I, do you know what? The people that have listened to the other 87 so episodes of We're Not Wizards will be perfectly happy that I am shutting my <laughs> mouth and giving you the chance that, you know, I mean, it's like, <clears throat> it's, you know, we don't have to wait for episode 100 or anything like that. Richard <laughs> is officially shutting up and I'm just letting Raddle talk. No. But no, I, I, I agree with you totally because there's a relax, it's kind of there's a relaxed pace. And also you, there's not a fear to, there's a fear when you're making content to over edit to when you don't get something right. The worst thing you can try and do is, you know, the, the worst time, the worst thing I can ever do is anytime I record a little intro before the beginning of a podcast to say, you know, oh, there was an audio issue or something like that. I end up recording that probably about 27 or 28 times because I play <laughs> it back immediately and say, no, that sounds rubbish, or no, you're trying to be funny, or don't be funny, just be normal, or don't sigh, or you're breathing too heavy, or you're recording through the wrong mic, or this just sounds rubbish, or why are you doing this in the first place, the audio's okay. But with yourself, you can, you kind of make, you make errors or mistakes or you jump back on yourself and oh, yeah. you just seem to be quite kind of relaxed and I I kind of feel like I'm sitting next to you and kind of like you're going through as I say you're kind of explaining the rules and then it kind of it suits my kind of learning style because I'm <clears throat> I'm not the biggest brained individual in the world mm-hmm. and I I like I like Rodney's stuff a lot you know and you know i and but i find that sometimes because he's really because it's not how to put this because he's very sharp and on the point in cuts and stuff like yeah, that yeah he's in he, you, you could not get more polished no you can't but sometimes i find i have to rewind the bits cuz i'm not getting them the same the kind of the same time mm-hmm. the stuff that resonates with me with your stuff and i'm going to have to press this anti gush button really soon <laughs> is that it's a very relaxed pace and it kind of suits my learning style. And I just kind of, yeah, like I watched, um, Epic Resort, the stuff that you did with Epic Resort. I watched the stuff that you did with Dungeon Lords, which was hilarious. Well, it wasn't hilarious. There was a point where you knocked all the stuff off the back of the table. And you're just <laughs> like, you're just like going, Oh, we're just gonna, uh, I'll get that later. That's fine. But it was the, I think the funniest thing about that was the, was the comments. <laughs> You kind of, you, you kind of have these people that I think they've maybe watched a video of yours for the first time, and they're always going like, "That's red. It should be yellow." Kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's face it the 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 comments that you get, you never, you don't seem to get really kind of, kind of really kind of spiky, nasty, oh, salty I do. ones. You know, I do. On, on the ones I've seen, that's because you don't do, you don't see the other ones. Yeah, uh, because. I have control over that and I just delete them. It used to be, for the longest time, I would actually, perhaps foolishly, 
try to engage them because, hey, that's yeah. a human being on the other side of that keyboard. And mm. I bet anything in their day-to-day life, they are good, kind people who have a lot of friends, who everybody loves them. And it's just something yeah. about the anonymity. And it's just something about the Internet. And we as a human species have yet to truly understand how to treat each other with kindness and respect through this medium. Um, it just brings out the worst in people. Oh, so yeah, I, used to, I used to like try to get through that and say, hey, look, clearly we both love this game. I love it because I mm. filmed it. You love it because you're watching it. Can you just not be a douche and we can just enjoy this together? I mean, wh- yeah. why do you feel like you have to come here and be this way? And I've given up. I have to admit, it's a big, big failure and it's a, it's really depressing. I've just now gotten to the point where I just delete them. I just yeah. delete them and ban them and just make them go away because yeah. I've, I've just learned it's a fool. I was Don Quixote, you know, uh, chasing windmills. It just, it just didn't work. And, mm. um, it was driving me nuts. It was driving me insane. And, trying to fight for civility. And so now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cutthroat. Uh, and yeah. I just, you know, I mean, I, some things I'll leave, but I am, you know, I, I, uh, I slash pretty regularly all the, what do you call it? The all spiky right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The salty stuff, the spike. Yeah. Basically the salty stuff. There's some people that like just to, they like to comment and watch the world burn sometimes, yeah. but, um, it's kind of, yeah. And as I say, <sighs> It's kind of strange when you kind of overlap into a kind of like a YouTube community because people are willing to throw kind of stuff left, right and centre. And it's like, well, hi, come on, I spent kind of hours doing this. I think I mentioned it on another episode recently about we are kind of growing in a bit of popularity. And up until now, the community has been kind of really, really supportive. And it's a case of, well, how do you deal with that first person just turning around saying, ah, oh, listen to your show and it's rubbish kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But um you just... No tolerance. Get rid I, of them. Yeah, like I said, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of gotten to that point. Mm. Um, like, a, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's really, it's really been over the last half a year or so, the last eight or 10 months that I've just, I've, I'm, you know, for my own sanity, I, I had to stop. Cause it, mm. it wasn't just this. I mean, you know, I used to be on forums prior to November of last year trying to talk to Bernie or Busters. And just to get through to them and, and it's just, yeah. and, you know, and, and try to open a dialogue and reach across and, you know, build bridges and, and, you know, I would spend hours at that and, you know, and it just got me nowhere. And I, and so I, I, I just, there were several forms. I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm deleting my account. I mean, I, uh, one of them was actually a uh, invite only video game industry forum that I'd been in All for right. years. Um, and I told them, look, I, I, I can't stay here anymore. It's too toxic. Um, yeah. I need this out of my life. Delete my account and never let me back in. And I said, no, 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 no. Here, here's the email. You can contact us. If you ever want to, you can come back in. We, you know, we really appreciate your voice. No, do not let me back in. Um, and more recently, I've had to do the same thing on BoardGameGeek. I have had to, I used to subscribe to the general forum. Where people yeah. would just talk in general about board games, and I love it. Yeah. There's, you know, ninety percent of everything that's talked about there is is great and wonderful and interesting. But uh, you know, it's 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 human nature to be drawn to the fire, and I, it's, it's it's just it was making me lose sleep. It was making me miserable. I mean, it's interesting. Rado runs through has brought more negativity into my life than anything <laughs> I have ever experienced. And you know, and I've worked on video games that were played by millions of hardcore ravaging. Don't think twice about yeah. not being nice. But 
don't know. Maybe it's because Rotto runs through is a hundred percent me. Everything that's yeah. there is a reflection of me. Everything that's said about it is said about me. Um, you know, if somebody's gonna rip apart a video game I worked on, it's easier for me to abstract it and take a step back and say, well, okay, that person doesn't understand the compromises I had to make, the restrictions we yeah. had due to time, due to budget, due to Peter, due to whatever it might be. And, you know, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this isn't about me, but everything about Rado Runs Through is about me personally. So every time I see another thread where people are just shredding me, and um, you know, a week doesn't go by on Board Game Geek now where it doesn't, where there aren't people just coming out of the woodwork, you know, saying how crap I am, and it re- it just gets me down. And I think, and you know, and and again, these are kind, generous, wonderful people. I'd be willing yeah. to bet money that their family members would be shocked to know how much pain they cause me with their casual, dismissive, toxic negativity and cynicism. And, you know, and, and they'd say, oh, and, you know, and they, and they just brush it off. Ah, he's just being a sensitive Sally. He's just being a snowflake. Yeah, the number of times I've been called yeah. a snowflake. Oh man, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> When's the last time you saw a snowflake in Malta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not tonight. <laughs> Definitely not tonight. Um, yep. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the games that you record, yes, do you get do you get pleasantly surprised on a regular basis? Because you do, um, you seem to do regular kind of Kickstarter games. Um, have you have you been pleasantly surprised, or do you get pleasantly surprised on a regular basis about how some of the games are still being innovative and still being interesting and still introducing kind of twists? On mechanics which are really fresh? No, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised because, I mean, the board game industry is, you know, is in its infancy. Yeah. I, I often, you know, to draw parallels to other entertainment industries, you know, board games hasn't even had their birth of a nation by D.W. Griffith. Um, you yeah. know, board games hasn't had their Pac-Man. Yeah. You know, and people think, oh my god, you know, uh, you know, Settlers of Catan is a big deal and, or Ticket to Ride or Monopoly. But, you know, Pac-Man had a top 10 billboard charting song. Everybody <laughs> in America played Pac-Man. <laughs> Settlers of Catan doesn't have that. Um, you know, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we're learning how to crawl. We haven't even gotten to where we're walking yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just hardly even scratched the surface as to what we can be done with little wooden cubes and sheets of cardboard. So, no, I, I'd be surprised if there wasn't still just an amazing every month something that just says, wow, now that's smart. That's clever. Mm. And I'll also say, I mean, the way I vet what games I'm going to film, I'm, I'm very rarely surprised once it gets to my table. At uh-huh. any given time, I've got a queue of about 20 rule books I've got to read. Um, mm. Because... You know, my show's popular enough that I'm often contacted, especially by, you know, startup independent Kickstarter games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saying, please cover our, I mean, you know, because, because it'll have a big impact. I mean, it, it just will. And, but the thing is, about a year or two ago, as we, as I was getting more and more into this, I noticed that Jen, my wife and only gaming yeah. partner was yeah. starting to push back. You know, it used to be, Hey, well, I'll try anything, but. Yeah. It was really starting to burn Jen out. And she's like, man, when was the last time we played a game we really loved? And mm. as soon as I realized, oh my God, I might lose her as a gamer. 
I, that's when I, I put the kibosh on him, and I suddenly, overnight, became very, very picky. Uh, and so, if you want me to run through your game, first thing I say is email me the rules. And yeah. it'll go in a queue of about 20 rules. It'll take me a week or two before I get to it. But mm. I have read, at this point, literally, this is not an exaggeration, thousands of board game manuals. Um, and I've gotten to where I'm pretty good at being able to suss out what the game is going to feel like without mm-hmm. ever having to put it on the table. And so I say no to the vast majority of people who ask. Um, not because the game's necessarily bad, although a lot of the times it's because it's really, really bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, because that aside, because I know that we won't have fun playing it. And if that's the case, then I, I, don't, I don't want it through the front door. And that said, you know, as hard as I do vet, I still do occasionally make mistakes, but I try really, really hard at that. And so because of that, because I do this, uh, I hate to say it for lack of a better term, extreme vetting, um, I, I'm generally not surprised. I generally know what's cool and interesting and unique and exciting about the game. Uh, yeah. If it didn't have something cool, unique, and interesting, I would have said no. Yeah. Have you ever been, have you ever kind of turned a game down and then everybody starts kind of ranting and raving about it and you're kind of like, mm, I didn't see kind of why that was going to be, or I can't see why that's going to be to be exciting. Yes, once, coincidentally, yeah. um, it was just <laughs> this year, uh, Clans of Caledonia. The designer for that actually contacted me, God, eight, nine months ago. He was uh-huh. really on the ball, way ahead of his campaign launching. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and he got tons of prototypes, really like, shipping quality prototypes to a lot of reviewers. And, you know, I was at the top of his list. He really wanted me to cover it, and he was confident I was going to like it. And I read the rule book, and I said, yeah, I get it. Um, this is a Terra Mystica I would probably enjoy. Yeah. But I, I, but there's nothing... It's interesting, what we were just talking about. There was no, There's nothing in Clans of Caledonia that says, wow, look how clever that is. Yeah. You know, at the same time I was reading that, I was also reading about Ohm, which is a Euro that has this very, very cool action selection mechanism that's like this little grid where there's a three by three and when you, um, you take a tile you've got in your hand and you slide it in and that means you do that action plus the other two and then you pick up the other action that you'll do later. And that's just such a cool little clever Rubik's Cube of a system that drives the entire game. I was, I was so in love with that. And I'm like, I'm excited for that because Essen's coming up and, um, and then here's this Clans of Caledonia. Yeah, I can read this. Yeah. This is clearly going to be solid. I get it. It'll work. But there's nothing that <laughs> makes you say, wow. Yeah. And yeah. so I said, look, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to say no. And I told him why. And all the credit to him in the world, he was really cool about it. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. But, you know, heck, maybe you'll be interested when it finally hits retail. Yeah. And then it hit Kickstarter, I think, in April of this year, you know, March or April. Yeah. And That's everybody cool. was raving about it. And everybody. And, I'm, and I just was... Kicking myself, I you know I I could have filmed that, and uh, and I didn't, and I guess I was an idiot, and so actually I only uh, he he sent me a copy. I just put a video up for it just uh, just this week actually, and I actually I'm kind of repeating what I said in the final thoughts there. I'm t- I'm, t- I'm spoiling the final thoughts, and and it's it's true. There's nothing cool or fresh or you know, innovative or outside the box or makes you say wow that's yeah. that's clever. But it's just so perfect. It just purrs. It just sings. It just works so well. So I was surprised. I was surprised yeah. by how banal it was, and yet it could still be so amazingly fun. Um, so I guess I lied to you earlier. Yes, there was an example of something that did surprise me, but not for the reasons you would have expected. Um, 
I saw the most recent video I saw was um, City of Kings. Mm. Frank West's um, City of Kings. Um, that I was, I think it was, I, I, you seem to really kind of enjoy it. Yeah, we did, we did. Um, I can't wait to get my copy. Um, I was quite jealous because I was, <laughs> but I think I share, I think I shared the video on Twitter and, um, Frank's been on the show three times now. Ah. Um, because the first time he was on, um, we were going to talk about his game, but we didn't. And the second time we were going to talk about his game and we did. And the third time was when it kind of funded through basically the stratosphere and kind of beyond into space. I think it ended up about 300,000. Oh my so God, I, really? I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah. He wow. funded, yeah. That's yeah he funded really, he funded kind of, um, really, really well. Um, so I shared it and his first thing was, who's got hold of the game? Because <laughs> like, it was an old one of yours. I think you were just taking people, you just going through the, how you were playing it and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, but that was it. But again, it was the relaxed kind of, kind of pace kind of thing. I mean, are there. It's funny you say that because I get so much feedback that I talk too fast, that I need to slow down, that I need no. to stop mainlining caffeine. I don't drink caffeine. <laughs> I don't drink sugary pop. I only drink water. That's all I drink. I don't smoke. I don't do anything. Um, but that I, I, you know, I, so it's, it's interesting. I, you are the first person I can think of that's ever said, wow, you're really chill, man. Well, it's just, I mean, maybe it's just because I speak quite fast. Uh-huh. I always, I kind of find that, kind of, I don't know if it's because it's in, it's kind of in your house, it's in your home, it's on the table, everything's kind of set up. There's kind of like, you're just kind of going through it. I mean, that kind of, it kind of, it kind of, I don't know, it works for me. I mean, that's that's the thing at the end of the day. Are there um, playthroughs that you just like to do, you'd like to do one on the games that you've maybe missed out in the past that you just like to do for a bit of fun. Is there any games that you'd like to do that way? Hmm. Um. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Let's see. Let's now insert the dead air while I think about that. No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, you know, you ask, you know, uh, nothing comes to mind. Hold on a second. I will go okay. to my list I will go to games.rado.com, which is a list of... No, that's a list of everything I've already filmed. Okay, I need to go to ranked.rado.com, which is a list of every game I have, and I will scroll down to the ones that I have not filmed. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Yeah, no, games.rado.com won't work for that. Okay, sorry. Hold, please. Uh, okay. You know, insert some music here. All right, so, yeah, this is easy. All right, so, so what have I... What do I own that I have ranked that I have not done a run through for? Dominion. Yeah. Although I've been meaning to do that forever. I'm, I intend to do a top 10 Dominion expansions. So, right. okay. um, that's just going to be a lot of work. Sentient. Actually, I just, that run through will be going up probably next week. Oh, there you go. Um, Steam Donkey. That was a neat little game, but I, I wouldn't say I'm dying to film it though. Uh, Jam Sumo. That would be kind of fun, I suppose. And not the kind of thing that people would normally ask for, which is too bad. It's a really sharp little game. Hmm. Um, Pax, Hellas, Primetime, Deadline, Iliad. I'm going to have to say no. No. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. I mean, I can certainly look at some of these and I'd say, well, I'd, I'd kind of like to do them just because I know the game deserves better. And I, yeah. you know, I, I wish the word got out like, you know, Eaten by Zombies was a really cool little deck builder. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's such a sad story. The, you know, the designer got the rights for it back and he ran his own Kickstarter to get, to get funding for the first expansion for it or the second expansion for it. And it just curled up and died because nobody had heard of it. 
Yeah. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you contact me? I would have done that for you. Because I really like it. So, I mean, you know, but, but that's just because, I don't know, I mean, probably the reason more than anything else that I do so many Kickstarter run-throughs is because I like helping people because I know it mm. will have a really, really big impact on them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there'd certainly be a lot of cases like that, I suppose. Maybe. Are there games, are there games that, well, there'll be hundreds of games out there, but are there games you're kind of looking forward to just getting your hands on as a player, not as somebody who's going to be doing a run-through of them? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, t- too many of them. Whole, but, you know, I mean, hundreds of them, literally. <laughs> yeah. Let me go back to Board Game Geek. I'm just going to go. I mean, I, I'm always uh, very studiously keeping my Board Game Geek wish list up to date. Uh-huh. And I really leverage the ranking system. So, you know, because there's literally hundreds of them. Let's see. The first page, um, things I ranked <laughs> a one page. must have. Oh, no. I mean, no, literally, this, my wish list is 930 entries long. That's, of games that I want, to, games or expansions I want to get. Now, that's a fair, small forest, Richard. Yeah. Um, yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> probably only the first. I will see. This is what. There's probably 300 on this page. So I'd say probably the first 150 or so are yeah. ones I know I want, and then everything else after that is like, oh, that sounded interesting, but I don't know enough to actually say I want it. But yeah, yeah I, I could list 150 games that I'm super stoked for. And I could give them to you in a relatively rough order of importance, if you'd like. I don't know if you want that, though, or if you want me to just pick out a few specific ones. Just pick a, yeah, a few. Just a couple. A couple that you would like to get. I will limit myself to the ranked number one must-haves. And what are they? There are one, two, three, four. All right, so um, Legends of Andor, The Last Hope. Yeah. Uh, I love Legends of Andor. Actually, I have to admit, the, the second one, the Journey to the North, I was a little disappointed. It wasn't quite as good as the original. It kind of lost something the original had. So I hope, Last Hope, which is the end of the trilogy, it, I, I hope that really turns it around. I mean, not that it needs to turn around. Um, Journey to the North was still fantastic, but got I, I gotta finish it out, and then I only hope it does so amazingly well that Cosmos decides, hey, let's make a legacy version of Andor, because that oh, would just wow. be beyond amazing. Uh, speaking yeah. of legacy games, Charterstone. Super stoked oh, yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Pandemic yeah. Legacy Season 2. Um, obviously, I will beat feet, and I will um, cast anyone aside who gets in my way and prevents me from being able to play that. <laughs> Dragonfire. I mean, I fell so head over heels in love with Shadowrun Crossfire. And yeah. at the time, when I did my run-through, I said, oh, my only complaint is, why couldn't it be high fantasy? <laughs> and now it's going to be high fantasy. So, um, you know, that's amazing. Merlin. Uh, which is Stefan Feld's next game, going to be coming out at Essen, another big, crunchy, million things going on all at once, Stefan Feld game. Um, Escape Plan, uh, man, I've been waiting for this for years, from Vito Lasarda, you know, the Vinos yeah, gallerist yeah. guy. This is, uh, this is his take on a bank heist. Which, oh, right, I, okay. I, and, and what's a bank heist going to be like from Vito Lasarda? If you know how deep and rich his <laughs> simulations are, how deep is he going to go on the simulation of a bank heist? That's got to be insane. It's going to be down what down to what um, kind of petrol you put in the car. Indeed. <laughs> right. Oh, and actually, uh, at that point, I'm going on into twos, which are uh, not must-haves, but one step below must-haves. Yeah. I mean, would you ever jump over the line and... Kind of get into the design yourself. I mean, you've obviously no, you've got the years no, no, of video no, no, game no, no. design. No, or are no. you quite happy to just observe 
and comment and kind of run through games. Um, yeah. In all honesty, <clears throat> making video games for so long changed me. I mean, I've been playing video games since I was a little kid. When I was, mm. when I, you know, in the seventies, when I discovered that Pong was the first thing that I in in the universe that I was actually better at than my dad. Uh-huh. You know, because my dad was a god to me as a five-year-old. He could do anything, <laughs> but I could beat him at Pong. You know, and he wasn't pulling punches. He was trying to win, but he couldn't touch yeah. me. Ever since then, I was, you know, a diehard devotee of video games. But, you know, making them for 20 years and spending more time thinking about how they're made rather than just playing them. I, I can't play a video game to this day without studying it and dissecting it and taking it apart. That's, and yeah. um, I don't want that. To, I mean, and, and that's one of the things, you know, I mean... Board games, my discovery of board games hastened my exiting um, from video games. I haven't played a video game in months. Mm-hmm. I haven't played anything seriously in years, you know, like with, with any kind of devotion. But it wasn't the first time. I, what was it? Between the, um, the, the you know, the, the PlayStation Xbox One era and the PlayStation 2 um, you know, Xbox Two era. I, or I'm sorry, no, uh, the Xbox 360 era. Yeah. I did. I was starting to burn out back when I still lived in Texas, and I was like, okay, I, 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 I think I've seen everything I need to see, and I'm just having a hard time mustering enthusiasm. I mean, there's just nothing new, nothing interesting. I'm just doing the same stuff over and over again. But then the 360 came out and introduced achievements, and that was such a revolutionary thing. Um, you know, this meta game that tied every game I play together and, yeah. you know, creates, uh, you know, a meaning, a purpose to my gaming. Granted, it's a stupid purpose, just, you know, trying to, uh, work my way up a score chart, but still, it was so compelling that it kept me going in video games for probably like, you know, almost another decade before I got burned out again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I saw it happen. And that first time I was burned out is because, you know, hey, I've, I've seen everything there is, and I know how everything is made, and I'm just not interested. I don't want that to happen to board games. It's my yeah. number one worry about Rotto Runs Through because I do spend a lot more time. I mean, I, the only parallel I can draw is Jen, the only player I play with, and she yeah. doesn't study these things. She plays it. She enjoys it. And when it goes back in the box, she doesn't think about it anymore. Um, but I don't. I analyze them because I, as I'm playing games, I know I'm thinking the whole time, what am I going to say about this game? What am I, how am I going to talk about this? Is my final thoughts. What are my final thoughts? How does this compare to that? And I mean, I, it already it's changed me as a gamer, and I don't know that that's a good thing for me. <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to do Rado Run Through forever. Sorry to say. No, um, no. And you know, whenever I do stop, that will be one of the reasons, definitely, because I, mean, I don't want to burn Jen out. And I don't want to burn myself out. No, I mean, you're continuing to. I mean, you. You basically you fund the show through kind of like Kickstarter. Yep. Um, and that's done. You know, it does well. It does. I mean, it does really, really well. There's well, it doesn't do the, as well as it looks. I know everybody says, "Ah, oh, look, Rado just took home 50k. That's yeah. pretty good for <laughs> playing video or playing board games." But you know, I I I don't see 50k out of that. There's no, taxes. No, there's fees. Yeah. There's Paolo. Paolo ain't cheap. <laughs> um, to do all those, uh, you know, um, and, and, and he's worth every penny. I don't mean to, just, I mean, he's, he's absolutely amazing. That guy, it's, it's interesting. Paulo, he was just a big fan of my show. 
And yeah. every time I put up a video, within an hour, he was driving me nuts, pointing out every single mistake that I would make. <laughs> and he was just, he had a mind, and I knew he hadn't even played these games. He was yeah. just able to intuit based on what I said. Oh, you know, you must have made a mistake there. Um, <laughs> and, and then he was making my life miserable because I would have to go in and add all the annotations to fix them. And then one day I said, dude, can I pay you to do this? I mean, you're already watching all of them. Um, like within a half an hour of me posting it, no matter when I do it, you seem to be there ripping yeah. it apart. How about you just save me? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been a very good relationship. I love Paula. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, you said yourself, this is, you know, it's not going to go on forever. You're going to kind of keep well, doing it's it. Interesting. Until gonna, yeah. You know, I started doing the funding, um, because, I, like I said earlier, I was a successful video game developer. We made yeah. a lot of money. And uh, we are at a point in our lives, in my late 40s now, where we can retire. Neither Jen nor I have to work. We live yeah. very frugal, simple lives. It's why uh -huh. we live in Malta, because the cost of living is just so astronomically cheap here. Yeah. Um, but if we live some, we don't eat out. We don't go to movies. Um, you know, I mean, all, we, we, we just live crazy, crazy cheap. Um, but that means I don't have to work. But living crazy cheap means I can't buy board games. At least not to the level I did when I was working full time and I'd buy, no. you know, I, I'd pay four or five or six thousand bucks a year, every, you know, yeah. in board games. Uh, like, like any good geek. <laughs> like any card carrying geek. And I realized, okay, well, I'm just gonna have to stop doing that. And that's fine. But hey, if I can just raise a little bit of funds so that yeah. I can keep those games coming in, great. And so that's why I did the first one. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's, and the second one. But the third one, I think I've done five of these Kickstarters now, was because there was kind of a sudden and unexpected change in, in our circumstances. Uh -huh. Um, you know, basically medical stuff with my mom and all kinds of things. And I realized, Oh, I can't afford to not work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that, that was interesting. I think that was the third year where it changed and it wasn't, Oh, this is just a lark. This is just a hobby and I'm just doing this funding <laughs> so I can keep getting the game so I can keep doing it because I'm retired and I don't want to go stir crazy. And this is just, uh, you know, a fun thing to do. And it did become a job and it's still the best job I've ever had because it's the only time in my life I've ever worked for myself. You know, Jen, yeah. she's done that her entire adult life. She's always worked for herself. She's run her own, right. um, you know, graphic design firms uh -huh. and, and, uh -huh. and, you know, now she does her own, you know, fine art glass and all that. But so it's really, really great, but it has changed now that it's a job. And, uh, and it's funny. You, you mentioned right up front that you checked me out on LinkedIn. Yeah, right? did you? Yeah. Uh, one thing you would notice if, um, if you look at the dates, um, from job to job, I could never stick it out for more than four or five years before I was going so stir crazy. I just had to move on. Yeah. Um, you can see it's, it's just like this regular repeating pattern. I'm starting to get to that point with Rotto runs through as well. Um, oh, I'm starting to hit that same threshold. And so for the last couple of years, I, you know, like I said, I'm doing it for a job because I don't want to go back to, I don't want to make Jen a video game widow again. I don't want to no. go back to doing that. No. But um, we'll we'll see um, how things move forward in the future. Could we end up seeing kind of Radio the Games Consultant that you jump in and give people advice? Oh on? God, you know, I mean, uh, I've I've actually had several people asking me about that. Um, or you know, that sounds like that sounds like, like that. no. And, have you ever thought about doing <laughs> games development? Do you want to come out here? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, do you, do you want to be a spokesman for us? Do you want to do be to do development for us? I yeah. always say no. 
Um, because, I don't know, it'd be really hard to go back to working for somebody else, in all honesty, now that I've been doing this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the best job in the world. Tom Vassell will confirm it, as <laughs> will Rodney Smith and the Shut Up and Sit Down guys. And who else? I guess uh, Jamie from Secret Cabal Podcast. I think that yeah. might be it. I think that might be the entire list of people in the world who do this professionally. And yeah, it's I mean, it's not time. it's not a big list at all. I yeah, mean, yeah. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had conversations before. I mean, we had um, Michael from Two Can Play That Game, who uh-huh. was saying that it's for... Uh, oh, Two Can, right, right, yeah, the Two Can. I love that. That is, I have to admit, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, why didn't I take that? That was brilliant. <laughs> That would have been perfect. Uh, well, but I'm anyway. sure Michael, Michael will really appreciate that, um, <laughs> you've coveted his name. No, I mean, he's, I mean, he said the same thing as like, you know, there's very, in an industry that seems to be really kind of starting to blossom and there seems to be kind of a bit of money kicking around and we're kind of getting interest from external industries. I mean, Weta did, uh, Kickstarter recently, but they have obviously got money behind them. Yep. There was Riot Games yep. doing Mechs versus Minions. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, video, you know, video game company, a lot of money behind them. Uh, but it's, it seems to almost be like the video game industry where the guys that are creating content and creating media, there's very few of them that can actually claim that they're kind of maybe making enough money to kind of get by, and they always seem to be kind of supplementing their income. I mean, the the shut up and sit um, the shut up and sit down guys, they're constantly working all the time. I don't even know how they have time to kind of yeah. Sleep well, and and to be fair, you know? I suspect they make a lot more money off of cool ghosts because oh, yeah. a lot of people yeah. don't know this. They have a video game channel as well. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That they run yeah. on Patreon. So yeah. Um, yeah, because still, I mean, man, if I really wanted to make the money, I should just dump this whole board game thing and switch Rado runs through over to video games. <laughs> I mean, I know I should do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, but just would not you enjoy it as much? No, no, I would not. But I could fake yeah. it until I make yeah. it. <laughs> you could fake. There you go. Yeah. Rado's a faker. Yeah. Oh, well, dude, I mean, it's weird. My whole life. Um, yeah. has led to, I mean, has been a long extended, you know, training exercise for this job that I'm doing right now. In high yeah. school, I was in a lot of, you know, amateur plays and productions. Um, and, uh, oh, and I, and I, uh, got a job as a door to door vacuum cleaner salesman. And, um, you know, when I was in college, I worked for years on the phone doing customer service at Nintendo as a gameplay counselor. Really? And, oh, I yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. I remember phoning those guys in really? the UK asking about, yeah, asking From about Scotland? help for... From the UK? Yeah, well, it was a UK-based oh, okay, helpline yeah, yeah. thing, so I wasn't going to phone America. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bill getting from... Well, you know, I didn't understand how to get that switch in the um, in the Zelda game, so I had oh, to Oh, to this day, I could probably, from memory, tell you how to get to the Maui Maui uh, ball <laughs> in, in the original Metroid. I had to walk people through that so many uh, times, hundreds my. of times. Um, you know, so I, I did that nonstop, and then I was yeah. a video game designer. And it's weird, you know, I, the... The first game that I, you know, I, I did a, a couple of little things. And my first thing that, the first game I was the lead on was the original Siphon Filter. And, um, really? I only was the lead on that because the lead designer on it quit and just quit the industry altogether as I would do subsequently 20 years later. Um, yeah. and he had had <laughs> enough. And so, okay, well, just put the kid in charge. Give it to him. But I was working <laughs> alongside uh, the art, the lead artist on the game who had been in the industry for quite a while. And, uh, John Garvin, great guy. Love him now. But at the mm. time, 
oh man, he was gunning for my job so hard. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I, my first job as a lead video game designer was so sink or swim. I was in the deep end of the pool with the sharks and I learned very, very quickly like I said earlier, how to talk and talk and be the last one talking so that my way was the way it went. Because, I mean, you know, John and I, it was a friendly rivalry, but yeah. Yeah. Know, uh, I mean, you know, and it, it was a good partnership. We pushed each other. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones that, you know, you hear about in the music industry that can never last and was ultimately going to flame out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even though maybe we got the best out of each other. I don't know. But, you know, so I, that's where I, honed my craft all oh, through all those years being somebody who can talk and and be engaging you know, mm. you know and hold an audience's attention i remember when i was in texas and we were working on dreamworks shark tale we did a game a video game for shark tale and i had to fly out to to um dreamworks you know the, the yeah. main campus because you know the movie which was being developed at the same time we were working was you know th- there, there's like 500,000 people working on that. Yeah. And that's yeah. a far cry from us. So we were like 60 or 70 people working on the game. And there's like 500 people. And I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a presentation. I think, oh, I'm just going to, wow, am I going to present this like Jeffrey Katzenberg or something? Is Steven Spielberg <laughs> going to be there? I don't know. And they said, no, 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 no. They, they, Will they Smith. They, they, yeah, they don't, they don't give a damn. You know, Jack Black is not going to be there. Um, yeah. You're not going to meet Bobby De Niro. Sorry. Um, no, no. You're going to make a presentation of the game to the entire production crew of the entire movie. Um, step over here. Here's our auditorium completely filled (laughs) with uh, upwards of a thousand people working on this. And, oh, by the way, we're kind of going through a rough patch. So, um, they could really use a boost in morale. So if you, I mean, if you could really (laughs) knock this out of the park, that'd be fantastic. What did you come? Did you come out to like simply the best by Tina Turner playing in the background? (laughs) (laughs) No. Come on, um, guys. No, I mean, that was really, that was Uh. absolutely insane. And, you know, I did my best. I tried to be upbeat. I mean, I, I but I did the same patter that you yeah. see me doing Rado Runs Through. I'm, I'm just very off the cuff, very natural, yeah. very, um, you know, spur of the moment. And, um, you know, doing a live demo because you never know if it's going to crash or if, um, no. you know, you're too busy talking and you get yourself killed. And can you make a joke out of that? And you can get them to laugh. And I was told after the fact that actually it was a really good meeting. And everybody came out of there saying, wow, I feel better about the movie I'm working on now because it's going to have such an awesome video game. Which was mind blowing to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. Basically, is I mean, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm a salesman at the end of the day. Well, I mean that's my job as well. So yep. There you go. Ah. Um, you do the podcast. Yes. Was that just an ex? Was that something extra that you decided? Well, I need to to help kind of build up the brand. Or? No, 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 no. It's really weird. It goes back to what I was talking about with the funding. Yeah. Um, because those, those first few funding drives I did where I was like, look, I'm not trying to make this a job. I don't want this to be a job. I, I'm just <laughs> trying to make a little bit of cash so I can keep the games coming in because I just want to be able to keep playing games if I'm retired. That's it. That's all I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and you know, and the first one made four grand and I think the second one ultimately made 17. It was like such a huge, you know, jump. And, but I didn't expect it was going to do that much, um, you know, the following year. And the thing is, I, you know, I set my target. And you gotta have stretch goals, right? And I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't necessarily want stretch goals, uh, cause I'm not trying to, you know, bring in tons of cash. I mean, I, cause I don't want this to be a job. I'm fighting tooth and nail against this. And, yeah. um, but the money keeps coming in and I feel like I have to retroactively come up with stretch goals to justify this cash. Cause I was trying really hard <laughs> not to take a salary. So I'm like, okay, well, oh wow, geez. All right. Well, 
I guess I'll get better camera. Okay, all right. Okay, I guess I'll fly out to Gen Con and cover that. Okay. Oh, you brought in another two thousand. All right. I guess I'll do a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and that's why I started doing a podcast oh, solely amazing. to justify the cash that I had not prepared to make. That's fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, it's. I mean, it's. Um. I mean, it's doing well. You're getting some. Uh, you know, you're getting some decent reviews, some ratings on. Uh, iTunes. Am I? I have never looked. I have no idea. I mean, I have um, to admit, it's it's such an ancillary thing for me, and I I'm, and I, I know that's kind of pompous for me to say because, of course, I've already got a following from the videos and all that, so I, I have kind of a leg up over everybody. But is it doing well? I have never gone onto iTunes to look. Um, I mean, well, I I look at it on a regular basis, and let's face it, it's always above us in the charts. <laughs> so <laughs> How do I kind of like I have no as idea. I'm scrolling as I'm scrolling down, it's always shut up and sit down at the top, and then you go like that. Okay, there's you know. Critical hit, okay, that's fine. Oh, there's Rado, okay. Am nice I in the, one. am I in the top ten? Uh, you're, um, you're always floating round about, in the U, this is the UK though, you're okay, always hitting okay. round, you're always hitting round about the hundred spot. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, I, you're saying the hundred period, or you're, you're talking about like hundred for board game related podcasts? Yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly, okay. Yeah. Phew. Yeah. Jeez. No, that'd be insane. Okay. <laughs> the top okay. hundred in all of the, all of the podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would that that would not compute at all. Okay. You'd have to do a, you'd have to do a I'm board sorry, game. I'm, I'm, I'm only in the top one hundred, huh? I guess I got to work on that. Except, oh, don't no, do that because it I'm just makes it worse that. for me. Yeah, <laughs> We're yeah. not going to get it. No, I, I, no, I'm still just going to do it in my stupid way. I just basically, I mean, I do it in the laziest way possible. Hey, here's the new games I've heard about, and oh, I'm going to talk about yeah. the top ten I did a month ago. And hey, please send me questions because the whole show <laughs> is just answering questions. See, uh, I, I, then I don't have to be clever and come up with stuff. I just have to answer questions. I just what I do is I randomly tweet at people that I uh, <laughs> I've seen on social media and ask them to come on the show. So that's that kinda, a good one too. That kind of worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of yeah. it kind of worked. It kind of worked this time. Um, <laughs> For I am conscious of the time. I'm conscious it's very, very hot in Malta. Yes. But if people want to keep an eye on where you are on the interwebs, where can they find you? Um well, uh Rado.com takes you to my YouTube page. Yeah. Podcast.rado.com takes you to a page where you can subscribe to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Guild.rado.com takes you to a discussion forum devoted to all things Rado runs through. Cool. Um, you can, you can subscribe to me at twitter.com slash rotto, facebook.com slash rotto runs through. Uh, just, you know, that kind of stuff, I guess. Excellent. Or um, just go to Google and type in rotto. And they'll it's, find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're it's not a much. common name. There's, it's, it's I believe not. there's some DJ in Bangladesh who also uses the name rotto. There's a DJ rotto <laughs> out there somewhere. And every once oh, in a while, you'll, goodness. you might stumble across him and I don't know, maybe he does great work. Not maybe it does. Well. Maybe, <laughs> maybe sing songs about board games. Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> that would freak me out. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Um, listen, this has been fantastic. Um, it's yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed kind of having you on. So thank you very very much for taking your time out in very very hot Malta. Have you <laughs> finished all your drink? Have you got any left? Oh, it's long gone. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm uh, I'm counting the seconds so you get off. Come on, we gotta wrap it up, buddy. Get <laughs> parched. Um, 
Well, what we'll do is we'll take all those bits of information and we'll put them in the show notes so that we have notes to show. For people who want to find out and keep a track on what we are up to, then just go to Google, search for We Are Not Wizards, and you will find us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and, and even Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you've heard tonight, then please consider dropping us a subscription. Drop us both a subscription. If you're not already subscribing to what Rado's doing. And also, if you like what you hear, drop us a review. Now, as we always say, don't, don't give us a 10 because that'll make us big headed. Don't give <laughs> us a 1 because that'll make us cry. Give us a 5 because that's in the middle and it's kind of average. And we are decidedly average. <laughs> but someone who's not been average tonight is the absolutely fantastically entertaining um, Mr. Richard Ham, better known as Rado. Um, again, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been a, it's been a blast. Um, now there's only two things left to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. <laughs> are we wizards? We are not wizards. There we go. And the, uh, the second thing is to say goodbye. So it is a goodbye. Um, from Rado. Say goodbye, Rado. Bye bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and uh, support your content creators because they're uh, they're generally wonderful, interesting people who try to guide you down the cardboard road in the best way possible. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>